and welcome to episode 47 of Etc. Etc. I'm your host, Og Stone. And awesome, man, 47 is one of my lucky numbers. So it's my pleasure to have one of my favorite artists on the show today, Brecht Avons. I love having his books on my bookshelf. They're certainly some of the best looking. His use of color is just dazzling. I interviewed Brecht a few years back for the Comics Journal when Panther came out, a very cool book which has a unique place in his oeuvre. His first couple books, The Making of and The Wrong Place, are great too. But his new The City of Belgium really goes beyond anything he's done so far. It's gorgeous and just incredibly dense. It tells the story of three different individuals out for a night on the town, looking for adventure in this fantastical city. But to just sum up the plot really doesn't do justice to the beauty of this book. Just how good it looks. And there's so many little things going on in it. It really is one to savor. And it was great to discuss all this with Brecht. I've got a couple young Southpaw things that I'm finishing up work on now. I'll be giving you more information on those shortly. But this month has been super busy, so let's get straight to the interview, shall we? All right, we're here today with Breck Davons. How are you doing, man? Uh, Very good, thank you. Cool. We're going to talk about the new book. Well, new is not it came out a couple years ago, but it's just coming out in English. Yeah, yeah. I just had to leave through it again to remind me uh, what it is. (laughs) Of course, I know the thing by heart. Um, yeah i mean it seems like you spent a lot of time with this it's it's huge and there's just so much detail how long did it take you to complete uh, it took me uh four years i think um uh after six months of writing i could start doing pages and then the the whole the whole thing took me uh four years to do which uh seemed enormous uh and then i after i finished it i promised myself very um explicitly that I would uh, only do something very small and simple and, and uh, um, easy to um, uh, easy in, in architecture like a, a, a simple project but uh, then I started doing exactly the opposite uh, and I've been spending oh it's gonna I'm, I'm getting to three years of working on uh, the next book and I have uh, I have maybe a hundred pages uh, of the 500 that it might become. So it's a, it's a big and particularly complicated book I'm making. I, I'm not, I can't even guarantee that I'm going to get to the end of this one. Uh, um, wow. <laughs> I mean, maybe I will throw my hat in the ring. I, I'm, I'm used to just marrying the project and, and um, sitting it out uh, and, uh, and um, uh, making making it work until the end. Uh, oh, but this one is, is uh, a huge work, yeah. And I'm not a workaholic at all. Really? Oh no, yeah, yeah, no, no. I just uh, this is my day job. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't have any um, uh, other particular commitments. Uh, some illustration work or some other stuff people ask me, which can which can be uh, distracting. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not addicted to working uh, from uh, you know, all day long, or I don't. I don't uh, do twelve-hour days or anything like that. Usually, I like. Um, uh, I like to have a, a, a fun life. Yeah. And the comic should be part of that. The comic should be part of a, a very pleasing uh, um, brain training. <laughs> I think that that's that with the with work feels to me a bit like what I hear. Um, People who uh, uh, who work out, say, or people who jog, the thing that it's, it hurts the first ten minutes, and then and then some kind of uh, uh, endorphin is loosened, and 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 it starts becoming. Uh, you get some kind of jogger's high. Uh, this this I get after I uh, after it first hurts a bit, maybe the first hour or two, and then it starts uh, becoming a. A more euphoric experience but i haven't i don't know if it's true about sports i've never never tried sports more than 10 minutes last time we spoke you mentioned that um you do move around a lot when you're working like it's a physical thing for you yeah um first i move around a lot because the the desk is pushing me away um if, if it's if what i'm doing is not very easy then then um i I'm, i recoil a bit from it then 
I get down to the, the business of it. And uh, after a while, it starts going very well, usually. I, I don't, I don't, uh, my only uh, problem is uh, laziness, not, not writer's block. So, so it usually starts <coughs> happening and working out quite fast when I'm, uh, when I get to work. And then I start moving again because the, uh, because I start having fun with it and, and putting some music on perhaps and, and dancing. And uh, um, there's also the process of, uh, paint drying and and, uh, oh, yeah. and and for the way I draw it's necessary to uh, uh, look at the drawing from a distance and um, um, s uh, figure out my next move so I don't um, miss out on any possible fun decisions and tricks I can put in the drawing. Nice. You use the word comics. I was going to ask you, is that how you would describe your books? Yeah, comic books, yeah. Okay, because I mean, to someone who's unfamiliar with like all the possibilities of comics, I feel that to call your books comics would probably not uh, do them justice. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, they, they, uh, the term graphic <clears throat> graphic novel was invented um, as yeah, a not way. A <laughs> yeah, well, I, it, it was invented as a way to. Um, give adults an excuse to read books, I think, and adult publishers an excuse to publish them or just as a, um, and that's how I see it as a, as a just as a, a, a publicity label, some, something to help, uh, help adults um, open it up in a, in a public uh, space, you know. Um, but, so I don't take it seriously, but I did take it seriously maybe, um, 15 years ago when the word started um, getting um, banged about a lot. Um, uh, I feel like uh, definitely to the young artist uh, that I was, it felt like a, um, a call to arms, like uh, an invitation. Like um, I always wanted to do comics and then there was this invitation that uh, um, we, we t people think uh, comics can be for adults now, at least some people. And, um, and we're just looking for people to make them, uh, like, um, anyone can apply and, uh, and start doing, a, a dense, complex, detailed, layered, uh, work in, in comics. So I, I do think it was some kind of, a, um, it had a bit of a calling effect, a bit of a, yeah, like, um, it made me sit up 15 years ago. What comics did you read growing up? In Belgium, um, we had a lot of big adventure series, which were uh, great. Um, in, in, what, which, in which you would call the tradition of uh, Franco-Belge comics, I, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so you would know uh, uh, Tintin, mm -hmm. um, which I definitely read, but uh, which I might... I still appreciate Tantan a lot now, uh, and perhaps I appreciate some nuances of it that I didn't appreciate when I was a child. When, when compared to some other um, noisier comic books, uh, it, it might have seemed a bit um, clean sometimes when I was uh, yeah. young. And there were a lot of other um, much messier, uh, hugely popular uh, children's adventure uh, comic book series we had. Uh, like Suskin and Whisker, um, which I have no idea. There must be some, maybe they tried to bring, publish that in English, and, but I don't know what they translated it as. And mm. That was huge in our place. And there was even a, a very particular kind of um, a huge children's comic book series called uh, Urbanus, um, which seemed to have slipped by any censoring, uh, uh, censoring, uh, into the children's uh, corner of uh, supermarkets, but it had a lot of heavy themes. It had uh, street prostitution. It, uh, it had the, the, the alcoholism. It had depression. Uh, it, it was a very uh, oh, it, it pushed a lot of buttons um, mm -hmm. when I read it as a child. It was quite uh, heavy and um, uh, very rebellious uh, for. Uh, for something that children were buying all the time uh, en masse. Yeah. Was there a moment where you realized that this was what you wanted to do with your life? 
I always wanted to do it, very much so. I, I dreamed of doing it. Uh, but as a child, I um, uh, I was thinking like, some, I want to be a comic comic book artist, maybe an inventor, because when I was really small, I still drew um, very complicated machines to do simple things, like an, an endless system of tubes with a few um, knives on the way to, to peel an apple, things like this. And then, and then maybe after... Uh, uh, yards of tube uh, later there would be some sprinklers to wash it uh, but I asked my mother what would be the um, what would be the adult word for the adult version the realistic version of um, of what I want to do and, and she told me something maybe architect engineer uh, engineer architect something like this uh, because I wanted to appear to be a uh, um, a mature, uh, smart child. So I, I, I spent a lot of time answering engineer, architect, when uh, adults asked me what I was going to do. But I always wanted to do comics, and I got closer, and I allowed myself to get closer and closer to it uh, uh, in adolescence. Um, and by the time I was 17, I, I was published in some kind of um, um, small anthology, like maybe there were 500 copies of it. It was uh, like a uh, self-published by a group of comic artists. But at this point, I, I, I realized that technically I'm now printed on paper in a, in a black and white anthology and I'm 17. Technically, I am a comic artist now. Uh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> it can't even, it can't even really be taken away. Like, I guess, We'll see what we do about money, but but that that got figured out quite quickly in the in the, in the, the next years. Uh, so um, yeah, it it, uh, it worked out uh, better than planned, actually. Nice. Where does your love of color come from? Um, I used to suck at it. Um, I probably always loved it. I don't. I don't think I love it more than anyone else loves it. But um, um, it's important for me to do it right. Um, I don't know if um, if very colorful comics are less um, less typical in the states, maybe than 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 uh, they are in Europe. Um, but I was always um, doing colorful comics, uh, but coloring in, you know. Mm, yeah. um, making line drawings and uh, and then coloring them in, which um, which creates a lot of aesthetical problems. It's hard to uh, suddenly start making choices about color when the drawing is already there. It's um, actually easier to uh, to do it well if you draw in direct color, like um, like I'm doing now, because you um, you automatically start drawing using contrast whether it's the contrast between uh, a warm and a, a, a cold color or um, you know, um, a dark and, and a light color. Um, it's all about contrast with, because contrast makes something legible. And it's, so in the end, it's really more about um, form than about what colors I choose. I, I don't think the, the choice of colors is particularly important. Just it's the pleasure people take from my colorful drawings is that they are um, well that they stay very legible i i guess uh, that, that yeah, the I guess color the composition is, uh, is equally as important but yeah that yeah, the color itself is doing is is drawing the figures instead of being added on is is probably what's doing it but i suppose I, I still think we're reacting mostly to uh <coughs> to pleasing shapes um rather than we do to uh wow look at this green together with this um violet i don't know i would be surprised if that was what was really pushing our buttons more than uh shapes yeah i see what you're saying <laughs> but it is a very but i'm not sure about it I, I there was a thought i had a few days ago but i'm i'm still i, I haven't worked out if it's just bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe color is extremely emotionally important and i forgot <laughs> I, I'm jumping ahead to the question I had because um, Rudolph, uh, I mean, at the end, he's on a beach and he, there's in the middle of the story, there's a flashback to Lake Geneva. And then, you know, he hops on the party boat. He seems very connected with water. Yeah. But his color is red. 
And I was wondering if like this connection with water sort of cools that fire. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least uh, on, on a much more in a much more banal way, at least he contrasts well with a blue background. <laughs> uh, often, often there are color choices I make for characters which are influenced by um, some very basic uh, things. Like um, if two, um, one of the things I do is uh, in my comics is uh, when when someone speaks, the text is the color of the character. Yeah, that um, helps me. That frees me from uh, balloons and, and uh, tools like that. Um, so when two characters are going to spend a lot of time together, I uh, make sure beforehand that they will have colors that contrast enough. Uh, it is, sometimes it's, it's these kind of choices that influence. Uh, and in the case of this book, there is like uh, the main characters are have the main colors. There's a, a yellow, a blue, and a red one. So we quickly know, we extremely quickly know who we're dealing with dealing with of the the main characters at least those three we won't be confusing um, with each other uh, about the color red i wonder i'm just gonna open it up just want to check if i hope he's called rodolf and not rodolf. Rudolf, it's, it's rodolf i uh, yeah since he is red-nosed <laughs> it would be better that we didn't double <laughs> double down on that it's definitely with an um, o i my bad pronunciation and yeah, I don't. I'm not sure what's happening with water lately. It's been, um, yeah, years now that I'm uh, very much into um, marine themes and, and drawings of fish and uh, and um, and using the using water and the sea as a as a motif. But um, I'm forgetting where it comes from. Maybe I've taken more trips than usually than I usually do to the sea or something. Um, but yeah, it's come, my next book is uh, quite uh, sea-oriented. Okay. Can you tell us anything about that? Or is it going to be a surprise? <laughs> it should be sort of an adventure book. Um, uh, uh, quite a, a, a detective um, kind of story. Um, and also a bit of a... Um, I, I have a ridiculous list with... Um, stuff movies or books that it has something in common with and it's so it has something in common with the truman show something with moonrise kingdom something in common with harry potter or home alone also with mr robot also with oh my god there are way too many names here this uh, and <laughs> something to do with pinocchio too uh, i feel like as long as it has things in common with hundreds of stories it, it should be original yeah. um, I, I think it's gonna it's gonna be a, it's, a kid is gonna be the main character and the kid is having a, um, having to find his disappeared dad uh, his father um, and uh, and he has a lot of secret and mysterious enemies out to get him. Oh. Um, the inspiration comes from having had a, a very spectacular and very uh, amusing and exciting uh, bout of uh, psychosis eight years ago uh, in a very glamorous context. I, I was uh, uh, in Tokyo for a, a fancy... Uh, um, illustration job, um, so yeah, so doing something glamorous in a, in a glamorous uh, context. When I, I was already um, losing my pedals for a while, but it's it, it's climaxed in this very um, it, yeah. Tokyo is a, is a place with a lot of input for someone who's already uh, uh, going into a state of psychosis, which means. Uh, psychosis means, among other things, that everything is a personal message to you. Uh, everyone is looking at you, and uh, uh, a lot of signs are being shown to you. Uh, a lot of very mysterious conversations are going on using using the labels on uh, uh, on cans of soda uh, to um, 
buses stopping, they are stopping for you, but you should understand what the logo means that's on this bus, this, this kind of stuff. And I, I, I've been wanting to do something with this um, very exciting state, this very adventurous feeling that I had, this grandiose uh, megalomaniac uh, uh, feeling. Um, and I was um, not getting anywhere by putting it, by letting it take place in a glamorous context. And it started to click for me when um, um, when I saw an old little paragraph I wrote in a sketchbook where uh, uh, a young boy is talking about his summer vacation uh, as in a writing exercise on the first day of school, perhaps. Uh, you, would, you would have to write about what you did this summer. You know? and, mm. uh, um, and he's writing a mix of um, credible and incredible things where you, it's hard to understand what's real and what's not. And this little paragraph that I abandoned uh, a long, long time ago, uh, it predated the whole psychosis uh, phase. Uh, but that felt like that's my character. Um, living in a, a more in, in a countryside, a place where, um, where he could hide, a place where there is a, an overseeable amount of impulse and uh, not something like an incredible city full of people like like uh, Tokyo or Paris, um, but a place where he, he and we as a reader can um, um, notice these the have have one input after another, not everything at the same time. You know? Ah, okay. And still, it's going to be a very complicated five hundred page book, which I will have to <laughs> cut into two. Uh, <laughs> to um, um, episodes, I guess. That must have been particularly intense being in Tokyo. I've, I've never been, but everyone who I've talked to who has visited said it's like going to like outer space <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to see it in a very unique way because um, I had uh, zero sense of boundaries at all in a country that has incredible sense of boundaries, I think. Um, I, I kept walking into spaces I wasn't supposed to. Um, uh, yeah, there was a lot of that, a lot of uh, not respecting signs. Anyway, of course, as a tourist, you can't read anything anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, but um, um, of the many adventures that were compacted in the six days that I was... Um, uh, walking free on the streets in, 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 in Tokyo. One of the sweeter, smaller adventures was um, uh, barging into a cyber, cyber cafe um, at four o'clock at night, uh, just wanting to take a rest, wearing a, an extremely strange outfit. And the, the very young owner wanted to um, uh, kick me out. Uh, and I got angry and he got angry, but we couldn't understand the words uh, each one of us was saying. So he opened Translate and we started arguing. It was There were computers everywhere. So we started arguing in paragraphs. Uh, so it was like um, as if we were having some kind of Facebook um, dispute, but standing next to each other, looking at each other on the same computer. It's very. I think this must be a quite a unique thing, a unique experience to have to have a fight, but have it in real life with the, with the politeness, yeah. the technical limitations of having to wait for the other to type his paragraph. Yeah, that is super polite. Just, yeah, strange combination of, of of things. Now, that episode informed the city of Belgium as well, right? I yeah, know. I would say there there are some um, maybe some strings of it, but actually, <clears throat> I'm not sure. I, th this may be um, nitpicking, but I would describe what happens to the Rodolphe character, who is one of the three main characters in the book. As um, I wrote him as uh, switching from depressed to manic, and and there is uh, still um, I think psychosis might be called a step up or down, however you like, from from mania. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, where um, you go into full delirium, full over-interpretation of everything. M Mania is more of an incredibly outsized sense of your own capabilities. and uh, 
um, which is also a great feeling, of course, and quite a dangerous one. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can imagine that if you are completely confident that you can make a million dollars the day after, um, in a few hours, you, you might make some bad financial decisions. Um, or if you're extremely confident that no one could really harm you, that you might um, not be careful with your choice of friends. And uh, it, it, I got I got very lucky. And nothing uh, nothing really bad happened. Uh, mm. But uh, th that's more what's going on. It, it's um, he's going from um, the way I would describe those two states um, is um, a depression would be. Um, Imagine every aspect of your life um, completely injected with a huge dose of fear. Every single aspect of it uh, adds a lot of fear. And then mania would be every aspect of your life. Try to imagine what it's like if you took every last little bit of fear <laughs> out of it. Um, I think that's the feels like the, the main ingredients the, the main thing dosage thing that was going on uh, in the in the switch between these two states mm. all three of the characters seem to be dealing with some level of depression um in the case of uh, the victoria character i think it's part of her mystery in the case of the rodolf character it's quite explicit and he's the most based on me in the case of victoria there's an, another question going on she she um we discover that she has had a nervous breakdown. And the question we are looking at, or what's the mystery that's going on is, are her protective friends and family that's surrounding her creating a new breakdown or are they protecting her from it? It's, it's um, I, yeah, her question seems to be, what does she, what does she need? seems to be uh, the, the mystery of her character. It's, um, but obviously, she's uh, been dealing with stuff, and she's also inspired by someone uh, I knew. Um, I still know uh, the Yona character. Um, <clears throat> I would say he's um, chemically functional. Um, I think his brain is uh, working the way his brain should, but he has other. Um, uh, he has his own set of troubles. He's um, yeah, he's the least affected, but he, yeah, he's kind of low. Yeah, he, he's. Uh, He's a he's a hedonistic with a lot of um, ambitions that sort of bump into each other. He he uh, is really into presenting himself a certain way to people. Um, he has uh, he's quite touching, I think, in the way he uh, um, it's like a, he seems to be a scoundrel wanting to be a hipster, and he's not he's not blasé about. The state of being a hipster he's not a hipster shitting on other hipsters he's i think uh, ambitiously out to become or what they would call maybe in paris a bobo some just some high class flashy person is what he wants to be uh, uh, and he's very influenceable very little self-discipline and he's um uh and he carries around a, a bit of a, a very messy past that he's um that he's of which the shameful parts he's trying to um, sh shovel under the mat, and uh, but there are still some good memories he has. There's some flashy parts to it. He he also wants to uh, talk about this messy past because there are some <clears throat> glamorously uh, swashbuckling aspects to his past too. Um, there, yeah, a lot going on with him, uh, but I would I wouldn't say any uh, anything like mental illness or something. He's he um, is just a, a a big appetite for adventure and a lot of, uh, and makes a lot of bad judgment calls. Mm. Yeah. He, I, I wouldn't say depression. He just seemed, you know, bummed mm. out that none of his friends are around on his last night in town. Yeah. Right. You can sense that his friends have had some tiring experiences with him. All three of them have huge backstories. Like there's the whole Baron Samdi, uh, aspect of, uh, Rodolf that we only get like little glimpses of. It seems yeah, like I think yeah, the, the backstory stuff uh, is. Oh, sorry, yes, this uh, sort of um, appears quickly. I, I think right, it's, it it flutters by, and then yeah. we get back into the main action, or at least the main dialogue. Mm. 
but it seems like you knew you know these characters inside and out <laughs> like you've lived with them for a long time yeah and uh uh, and I and I do put a lot of myself in them, but in a, uh, but for uh, not for um, uh, not because I want to testify, or uh, you know, not because I want to write my memoirs and and, and make some kind of uh, uh, roman clé or something, uh, put hidden messages in there about me. It's more that when I'm writing, um, I feel like ah, now I need this kind of thing to happen to the person, and then I will. Because I'm the person I have lying around, I will first check my own past to see if um, anything can, um, if there's anything useful there, mm. uh, anything at least I heard about or uh, saw or uh, lived through myself that I that can take this take the place, and then I will not, uh, you know, ask around for um, other people's um, experiences uh, because. I have it on me. It's like some some stuff that's in the fridge already. You know, I have, don't have to go shopping for it. So it's more almost be, because of practical reasons. A lot of autobiography, uh, extremely deformed autobiography, slips into the books. Hmm. I want to talk about the settings because um, we start off with the restaurant. And you you mentioned the color, the primary colors for each of their names. Actually, I at first I didn't get that Victoria was going to be one of the main characters because she's in this group conversation and it could have really been anybody and the whole restaurant is full of, you know, groups. I like very much that you noticed that. I'm very pleased. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> because um, uh, the, the, the book takes its time to start um, moving. It, it takes a lot. It, it takes... Um, and this was on purpose. I, I wanted us to move around uh, um, with the people in this restaurant for quite a bit. Uh, and, and in the case of Victoria, I wanted I wanted us to choose her as the main character, or I wanted to hide her a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so first we see her from the back a lot, and I wanted her because she is, um, I think, extremely charismatic. Um, or at least that's how I try to write her. I I, um, I wanted her to earn her place a bit, as if uh, I wanted her to attract the reader's attention without any signaling that this is our main character. So she's she's in a big group. She's talking. She's she's seen from the back, and and the idea is that we start noticing her in particular. Uh, that we are start um, being attracted to her even before. There is any official announcement of here we have our uh, protagonist. Um, so that's the, so I take my time a bit with the dialogues between these friends and uh, as, because I'm to test. I, I was confident in her character that she doesn't need to be announced to to grab our attention, um, and I wanted to test that, I guess, or it seemed like an interesting game to play. Yeah. And speaking of like seeing her from the back, what stood out? I, I love her hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was there an inspiration for that? Or? Well, um, uh, I, one of the things I had uh, a bit of fun with, a bit of, I would say, superficial fun, but, uh, harmless harmless fun, was uh, doing some cameos and, and, and uh, digging up some characters from um, the wrong place, my... my uh, the, the last um, city nocturnal party book I did, which was uh, predated by eight years or so. And um, there's someone who has the that pretty much that haircut on the cover of um, The Wrong Place, one of the people running up the stairs at some point. Oh. And um, for, I guess this is just Easter egg stuff, uh, making some little links and bridges between these two books so that they together can give us a sense of an even bigger city than, than the sense we already get. Yeah, because my next question was going to be to tell me about Disco Harem, because oh, that's... Uh, yeah, so, uh, and another thing, uh, so she has this, um, which was really fun to draw, it's, 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 um, she has this um, pearl haircut, uh, I don't know how you would describe it, it's not extremely clear, which is nice, because that's possible in comic books, yeah. it's not extremely... <laughs> Clearer for dealing with beads or with um, 
uh, some other kind of uh, graphical translation of another kind of haircut, but she looks like an Egyptian princess, I would say, in, in a, uh, like a Cleopatra or a Nefertiti. Um, then also she, she's wearing a onesie with a um, fish scale motif. Um, and there was some, uh, to give her a fish scale motif on a onesie, um, comes through the uh, torturous way of um, one of the scenes I had in mind for her, one of the central moments for her is um, her being locked up by her friends in a space who are afraid that she's, you know, uh, falling off the wagon, that she's, um, she, she, she gets locked up and she calls out to them. So I, I felt like there, uh, there was a little bit of a mythical thing going on with, with like a siren call, with uh, her friends having to resist, not open the door uh, for this charismatic argumenting and, and suffering person. Um, so a little bit of a very, very obscure siren reference in the, in the, the clothing. Okay. But you were asking about Disco Harem, the, 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 the endless disco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which went even more, um, caricatured even more in this book. I think um, there are some, uh, the, the endlessness of the disco is even more um, explicit with some drawings where we see almost a, a tunnel, uh, was it Piranesi-like, uh, um, space that must be miles deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it would have to look like that. Um, uh, yeah, the disco harem first turned up in the wrong place, um, uh, which is, which I made uh, almost 12 years ago now, I think. It, it, it's, uh, I think I dreamt uh, of a space like that. I, I had a very nice dream of um, walking through the the most perfect imaginable party space where the colors and the light changes space after space. Uh, the music and the kind of people change. You walk up a little flight of stairs, you open the little door, and there's a total other vaulted ceiling and an orange atmosphere and some klezmer music going on and then there's an elevator to the side i dreamt in this space before i think yeah nice um, before i started um, drawing it and it's also where uh yona meets his wife which is cool a little flashback there yeah 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 and um yeah i was imagining him meeting well the, the the crossover between book stuff is, is doesn't have any really importance for the the story, but uh, they're tiny little presents for for anyone who's read the the two books. Um, but, but yeah, the, the this huge endless disco is it's like um, it has to be the, the pinnacle of adult entertainment at night, the place where everything is possible, the thing something that's is even all the the clubs in Berlin put together aren't close. Uh, yeah. the, the the real uh, battlefield for for our wants and needs at night. Uh, yeah, I wanted it to be um, phantasmagorically huge because in a comic book, maybe more than even in other mediums, that the fact that it is like that, that it is um, a crazy space an impossible space um, bothers the reader less. I think it's le it's less in the way it requires no explanation. It's a, uh, it's um, I think it's an uh, exciting thing to look at, but that because in, in this medium, particularly of comics, it's not in the way of um, connecting with the characters. It's, uh, mm. it's just going on around it in a calm, um, it's drawings, they don't move. The, 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 um, it's um, incumbent on me to add movement into the drawings and, and spectacle and, and, and make it um, dynamic to our eye. So, so um, with, the, with the backgrounds as with the characters, I try out a lot of stuff to, to um, and preferably a lot of stuff that is only possible in a drawing. And, and something like the disco harem space is exactly a good example of that. Uh, 
everything about that space seems to me only to be possible in a comic book. Yeah. <laughs> the titles the different in the different languages are all different, um, which put it in my mind, because it's the city of Belgium in English, I just assumed this was like a fantastical version of Brussels. But the French title is, um, how would you pronounce it? <laughs> Les Rigoles. Les Rigoles, which is... Is which, real... it's, which I even really don't. It seems like to be little drainage canals. Okay. But uh, it's actually the name of the, the bar where I wrote most of it here in the neighborhood. And and I, I've, I already came up with and rejected 300 titles before someone suggested naming it after. I had a lot of trouble finding the French title in particular. I had quite a bit of trouble finding the Dutch title, but the English title was there from the beginning. Uh, ah, okay. It was always the city of Belgium in my head. Uh, all the files are called COB. And then uh, it's just the other languages I had to come up uh, with the title. And it, mainly it's a lame joke having to do with us in Europe and in, in the Bush era having a laugh about Americans not distinguishing between um, is Brussels the city and Belgium the capital or um, um, or is it the opposite? Um, which is... a not a very fair um, thing to to mock because I'm not sure how many Belgians know the the, the capitals and of your states and, and which what is the name of the state and what would be the name of their capital that would be a, quite a specialist knowledge uh, here too. Okay. Um, but I want I felt like the lame joke had a good um, was a perfect label for the book as a as the city and every in which everything takes place and the and and. The city part of it precedes even the characters I invented. Uh, I knew I was going to make a city book. Um, the city is a mashup of Brussels, Paris, um, London, Barcelona, Berlin, um, Ghent, uh, small and big cities that I've, I've been to or lived in and loved. Uh, it's just one big European soup uh, um, so calling it the city of Belgium seems right because we're geographically okay. at, the, at the center of it and we also have no, um, no international um, identity <coughs> at all, <coughs> apart from being something in the middle of Europe, I think. Coming from one of the smaller states, I kind of got that like as it could be just grouped as a city rather than, you know, one of the main international like New York or L.A., but... If you see what I'm saying, <laughs> you you get the uh, you get uh, the 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 tickle it gives you perhaps to to make some make something grandiose out of the 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 little place you come from and, and yeah. to to present it as if it were the city to end all cities or the the, the most incredible country. It's a fun tickle. I I really like the world building that it crosses over between the books. Um, like I like that when it happens in in authors' journey. Like Nabokov has stories that characters will intersect. Um, like Panin shows up in Pale Fire as a completely different professor. I was wondering, who are some of your? What are some of your favorite books and authors? Um, that I've thought of lately. Um, well. I think one of the um, uh, the ones I think about most are the ones that are somehow useful to what I'm working on. Uh, those I keep coming back to in my mind because I'm still figuring out what about what I can steal. And one of them um, uh, lately has been uh, "The Man Who Was Thursday" by G.K. Chesterton. Yeah. Uh, because I'm writing, because uh, I'm, I'm I'm writing a psychotic inspired adventure story, and I would say that that is a perfect perfect example of it. Um, yeah, and, uh, the f the fact that he that that uh, um, he yeah he gives a lot of play to some very offensive uh, fantasies in it too. He was a he, he seemed to have been quite staunchly and boyishly and, and extremely uh, right-wing. Um, but 
which sort of makes it more interesting in a way because that means that you can the qualities of a book like this, which is it's it's a very great distillation of an adventure somehow. It's it's uh, it's almost like like um, Peter Pan, a book I keep thinking about lately for the last couple of years too. Uh, in the way how it um, stays focused on the adventure feeling without losing itself in in, in details or, or getting bogged down. It's um, it's very fresh. And also very right wing, but th that doesn't seem to be <laughs> that doesn't seem to um, hurt the qualities of the book. Uh, it, it's because I guess um, any extremist fantasy could nourish uh, as long as he toys with it, as long as it's playful, uh, could have nourished a, a psychotic fantasy world uh, in which the great enemies for the big part of the book are anarchists. Uh, an incredible invasion, almost like the orcs uh, <laughs> of of anarchists, that is uh, threatening Europe. Uh, uh, and, and it's it's uh, it's an incredible romp. It's probably the best way to to call the book. He every chapter he um, comes up against a new adversary who has a very specific way of being disquieting. Mm. Every new adversary has a very specific, uh, concrete way. Of um, uh, one of them is an old man who walks extremely slowly, but it's always, but he can't uh, get rid of him in the streets. Uh, he, he seems to oh, be yeah, moving yeah. extremely fast. Another one is uh, he's in a um, a sword duel with an adversary who keeps losing little parts of his body, but not bleeding because it's, it's, he's wearing some sort of offensive semitic fat suit under which is a. Uh, under which is a, a nice blonde English lord who is actually his friend, but uh, they have this very specific. It has the taste of a dream, I think, and the, the, the kind of the kind of um, um, dark fantasies and textures and and things that we mostly forget when we wake up and we tell a dream. Uh, the, it has the parts that make a dream really interesting, I think. Mm. It's hard to translate these feelings, these observations and these situations that are very hard to translate to daily life and, and normal, um, uh, a normal reason, uh, normal reasoning. So I get it's, it's, it's one of the reasons I think um, it's so boring to hear someone uh, talk about the dream they had most of the time. And uh, I had fun with a long dream telling scene in the city of Belgium at some point too. Uh, yeah. But I, I am not myself interested particularly in, in, in someone else's dreams, uh, except if they can hold on to this thing that makes them so, for all of us, so different from our, our, our daily life. And that's mostly the person is probably who's telling his dream is most of the time will probably be frustrated himself and not, not able to tell what's going on there. Uh, the, the result is some, it's like overcooked vegetables, all the taste got out of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's very hard to render a dream. In and a dream and, and uh, connecting also to a psychosis, uh, to, to um, it would extremely rich delirium uh, going on in that book and uh, and going on in anyone's any old person's dreams all the time and uh, um, and going on and people with psychosis having waking dreams, uh, which is fun for me because um, when I was in this state, my mind was racing all the time, no sleep required for a long while. Uh, uh, the thoughts and imagine imaginings never stopped and they had a rich texture and a huge amount of imagery that I want to hold on to. And it's easier to hold on to some of this because they were like waking dreams, I think. I want to ask you about the, the taxi driver's stories. That was great, how he would just pick up like a little snippet of what each passenger <clears throat> said and just spin it into something fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy about the stuff you pick out because the things you're, you're taking out were the are the, I think the riskier things I did, the things that um, 
uh, where I'm taking a little bit more risk with the reader's attention span. I, I felt like uh, when I finished it was, oh, should I have done that? Um, <laughs> but I also, when I was writing it, I loved the 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 taxi driver who keeps spinning yarns with elements from something that's told to him by the last um, passenger that, that he saw. And this um, story within the story stuff uh, uh, going on. Um, yeah. And then like uh, Rodolf's uh, cab ride turns almost Dadaist at one point with your use of like the lettering. And then Victorian Carmen's gets very hallucinatory again, like, you mentioned the fish design, the fish like come out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, none of this, uh, comes from any, I, I, I've never been much inspired by psychedelic or hippie, uh, culture. Um, but you don't have to look far to find psychedelic things. Uh, it, it's just when you start, um, looking at drawings and imagining how can we break this open and um, make this tell, make this three times more expressive that you start getting psychedelic effects, but you would, you would be able to see this in uh, cubism. I would say uh, cubism is quite psychedelic and it also makes sense. It's uh, it's trying to show us a whole lot of parts of something that you can't see uh, in a picture, in a, in a photo that you can't, that you can't see if you sit still looking at something in real life it's cubism is like a solution maybe to um show us experience um like in real life we can walk around stuff and we walk around in a city and we go down the stairs and we uh and we uh get into a car and we we go from an inside space to an outside space so i'm like cubistifying the city and trying to show more stuff uh but then also something like Escher. I don't think Escher took any like drugs ever. He seems to have been looks looks to me like uh, Escher was a professorial kind of drawer who had a lot of fun inventing himself a challenge and then doing all the work it takes to perfectly execute that challenge. Uh, like the reflection of myself in a room in a in a in a reflecting ball almost impossible to draw. This is very hard. So now I'm going to do this. Um, or uh, convex and concave, the drawing where you never know if something is protruding or um, um, what's the opposite of it? Like, uh, yeah, concave, I would guess. Uh, yeah. Uh, if, if it's going back or going to the front, this, this is, yeah, it's, it's like very... Um, uh, like a, a good attentive student coming ending up with very psychedelic results because he gives himself this extremely complicated uh, challenge and executes it perfectly um, and another painter i like to mention that, uh, that context is um landscape painter charles bergfield who i'm quite sure was not on anything uh, he was seems to have been a, a pretty quiet or unassuming guy uh, doing watercolors in the um, in swamps and in the countryside and um, but he tries to paint light the way we experience it to give a very dumb example but he does it in a lot of smart ways he will often have a, a black dot a black or dark dot uh, where the sun is because when we look into the sun we get the opposite optical image. So, yeah. so we will in real life. We do see a lot of black suns uh, uh, when we look around. We get confused by our, our surroundings, and um, he tries to draw the sound of uh, cicadas, perhaps uh, um, grasshoppers uh, or, or mosquitoes. Uh, you can. He uses tricks to make a sense that there's a lot of mosquito noise going on around the swamp, for example, or he will draw perhaps um, a bird flying by in a, in a way, the way we experience a bird flying by, not having a static bird um, mm. still in the sky or um, electric wires. He will draw them in a way that communicates that they are buzzing and that the whole uh, pole they are connected to is buzzing with it. Um, 
he will try to put a lot of experience into a painting that is visual. Um, I like that. I, I don't know his work. I'll check it out. Yeah. Uh, Burkefield. Charles. Charles. <laughs> Something about your characters I want to talk about. Is I like how they seem free of cruelty for the most part. I first noticed this like in the earlier books, like you had mentioned that uh, the wrong place is sort of like popular versus unpopular and Robbie's very popular, but he's really cool to Gary. Although he didn't go to his party. Like when he sees him again, like he's not a dick to him and yeah. like uh, Peterson, like dealing with uh, Leslie and Dennis, like, you know, these awkward outsiders, he, he takes his time. Like, um, and like in the new book, um, or, sorry, city of Belgium, like buzz, like, although he has a violent streak, he, like, he really wants to be a good friend to Jonah. And even though he beats him up at one point, like, like the whole time, like, it seems like he's, he's trying to do the right thing. And like, yeah, it, it, your characters seem free of cruelty, which was an observation. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I don't know how many people are have have like and would have a cruel gene uh, you know someone like buzz in, in 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 the city of belgium he must be one of the worst dudes in in my comic book he's endlessly over the top offensive uh he's a complete disaster um but essentially he's he is the kind of guy who will get into a fight with you in a bar and then do what I find even more annoying, then he will need you to become friends with him and have drinks with him because that's all part of his big, loud process that you will also get strung along and then you will go home with a strange feeling of, okay, so an asshole <laughs> beat me up and then it was sort of like nice and we were buddies and what just happened to me? Yeah. <laughs> Why, why, why couldn't we just, why couldn't it just end with like maybe someone getting, going to jail or, you know, someone getting knocked out? Why, why did I have to go through all this second psychological chapter with this needy guy who needed to prove something by beating me up and then needed to prove something again with using my body by getting me drunk and, and, and telling each other stories about our past and becoming buddies and like, exchanging phone numbers maybe yeah. uh, it's even worse <laughs> in a way but extremely uh, human and, and uh, like uh, you see it all the time and uh, yeah when i sense someone sitting down uh, in, in my yeah environment close to me with that kind of energy going on with this kind of media energy i've uh, perhaps i miss out on some interesting experiences but i've learned to yeah. how to turn my body how to maybe change tables how to <laughs> how to smell this kind of person from a distance yeah, yeah. Uh, but i uh, what's obvious to to any writer is that you can never um make a hate pact together with your reader against your characters you can never you can never make a little deal that we're gonna um hate or uh, dunk on one of the characters why would you conjure up a person yeah just to shit on um, you're gonna want that's not that's that would be an extremely boring and uh, unnourishing experience. I'm, I'm not trying to like on purpose show the good in people or things like this, it's just that um, we're gonna have to see something going on in their minds and how it's how how it um, um, clumsily expresses itself. Um, but it's not going to be interesting if it's gonna be, um, I mean, there's there. There is some really good cringe humor, but the best cringe humor is actually showing you very clearly some real stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, like when uh, Yona runs into the entire group of his friends, <laughs> he's yeah. all turning the corner. That was yes. great. <laughs> I, I like it when these kind of Greek chorus moments happen in a book, like this kind of a little bo a bit more... Um, uh, staged uh, moments like would he actually uh, these symmetrical moments it, it, that's that's the kind of stuff that comic books or, or, or stories shouldn't lose just sacrifice just to uh, for a general sense of realism 
all the people that we see him call at the beginning of the story, they are all there. Every single one of them is there all together without him uh, going out. It's a very clean, <laughs> simple gag-like moment that is also very, um, I think, real or, or at least um, about something very real. Um, but uh, but uh, I like it when it's... Um, when it has this extreme kind of pop to it, this kind of gag-like feeling without losing any of its credibility, I think. Um, Another moment I really liked, and I was wondering, did you consider bringing Rodolphe and Victoria together? Because there's that moment where she's standing outside and he's walking out, and it's it's just a really nice... And you get the feeling they're about to meet, and then they pass as... If, uh, as usually would happen in real life but did you did you exchange in a very intense glance yeah was there an urge to bring them together or did you consider that at all well yeah the rodolfo also meets yona at the point uh yona is sort of a a random, almost unimportant, uh, emotionally unimportant encounter in the night uh, for Rodolphe, but actually is he, in, he catalyzes the turn that Rodolphe makes from, from depressive to manic early in the book. And then we have this, I, <clears throat> because uh, the, these char three characters' adventures are um, woven through each other, but um, not touching most of the time. Um, I guess at some point that there would be a will they, won't they feeling for the reader, even though, okay, we're 200 pages in, these, yeah. these two haven't met. <laughs> they both seem troubled. They might, you know, would, would they understand each other and build some utopical crazy person community somewhere? Um, um, this is an idea I toy with in the book, um, which I quite clearly don't agree with. Um, there's a phrase in the book that feels like the most, um, I would say, Instagrammable phrase in there. Uh, I, I forgot what's it in English, something like uh, ordinary people don't know uh, how to deal with extraordinary people, something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's a very, it's one of these flashy phrases that I sometimes like to put in there. And it's, it's a bit of a bitchy thing to do because uh, I, I I know that these are the ones that will catch, that might catch on more than the rest. And I generally, when I put one of these flashy, uh, resounding phrases in there, it's something I don't particularly agree with at all. Uh. Um, but we get, uh, in, I feel like in real life, we get distracted by well-formed phrases all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I think most of what Oscar Wilde said was probably not true, <laughs> demonstrably bullshit, but it just... <laughs> You know, it just sounds so just right when he yeah. says it, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't, uh, extraordinary people, or more to the point of the book, um, I don't feel like mentally troubled people are a much bigger help to mentally troubled people, apart from sharing experiences, uh, either than um, normal, so-called normal people or whatever. Uh, I think mentally troubled people are, have a, ha, are dealing most of the time bravely with a sickness, and so they definitely need a lot of um, healthy people um, who can um, chip in and take care of them, and sometimes in, in, intensely and long and, and dependably take care of them. There is no crazy person utopia uh, that's going to exist uh, ever, mm. which is. Good. It should not be tried. It should not be tried. <laughs> well, man, well, I think that's all my questions. You got anything else you want to add? I don't know. They were fun ones. I like I like the okay. stuff you uh, you uh, dug out of there. It was, it was fun. It's been a while that the book's out, so it's it's been fun like exploring it with you again. Uh, oh, cool. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I feel uh, it's a good confidence boost. Also, I feel like, yeah, okay, those choices were the right ones. Good. <laughs> at least, uh, at least someone gets it. <laughs> so that's a good start for the the launch. Uh, I don't know if I have anything like pluggy to say or, or uh, 
I guess it's called the City of Belgium. It's out now. That that's that's kind of stuff. <laughs> Drawn and Quarterly is the publisher. Um, it's um, quite a ride, um, and um, it's a very important one to me. And I, uh, of all my comic books, I would call it perhaps the most graphic novelly. <laughs> but I don't know what your connotation with <laughs> I don't know what that word evokes in, in your mind. So who knows? Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. I really liked Breck's answers. He's very thoughtful. I'll be putting the video up on YouTube in a couple weeks. Definitely pick up the city of Belgium. It's a beauty. You can find Brecht at brechtavons.com. That's B-R-E-C-H-T-E-V-E-N-S. And on Instagram at avons.brecht. If you like this episode and want to subscribe, rate, review, that would all be very much appreciated. You can check out what I'm doing at augstone.com. It's A-U-G-S-T-O-N-E.com. And also youngsouthpaw.com. A couple exciting things coming up this summer. And for other comic stuff, I've had some pieces I really enjoyed writing up at the Comics Journal lately. That's tcj.com. There's an appreciation of another great Belgian artist, Maurice Tillier. And I interviewed Zidru and Frank Pei about their excellent new take on Francon's Marsupilami. Thanks for listening, y'all. Until next time.